This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey, everybody, this is Richard Deitch, and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. And uh, first off, happy holidays to everybody listening to this podcast. We hope uh, you've had an uh, incredibly joyous holiday season and that everybody is safe and sound where you are. This is a... Uh, this is sort of our look ahead 2023 sports media podcast. A little bit of a look behind as well. The guests are two regulars, Chad Finn of the Boston Globe, Austin Carp of Sports Business Journal. And we do things like what do we think the biggest sports media stories will be of 2023? Who are some 2023 sports media talents to watch? Gave you um, our final recap of Fox's World Cup coverage and uh, uh, what to look ahead for 2026. And so a little bit on 2022, obviously, as well in terms of who we thought had great sports media years and what we expect from sports gambling in 2023. So mostly a look-ahead podcast with me, Austin, and Chad in about a 50-minute or so conversation. And uh, and then three of us, obviously, will be back on this podcast in 2023 along with uh, many other guests and many other voices. But without further ado, Chad Finn and Austin Karp on the Sports Media Podcast. All right. As I said at the top, I'm uh, I'm always happy to bring in Chad Finn and Austin Karp. They have been on this podcast uh, many times this year. They've generously given their time and their insights. I certainly wish them uh, a happy holidays, and I thank them for coming on. You know, we've tried in this podcast to have a lot of uh, different voices, particularly when it comes to, you know, any kind of sort of interview setup. But but the, you know, the times that we do, you know, hardcore nerd out sports <laughs> media stuff, uh, Chad, Chad and Austin have, uh, you know, are, are leading the uh, appearances uh, uh, for that category. They're, they're the Chuck Crims of this podcast uh uh, this year, nice, um, nice Paul. Yes, Chuck Krim. Yeah, that's a good Paul, right? He played for the Red Sox, didn't he? At one point, I think he played for everybody. Oh no, we didn't have him here. He was a he was oh, a he brewer. I, that's what I remember. He was a brewer, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, congrats, uh, Chad. Great job by your, uh, your the general manager of the Red Sox. I mean, really, just reshaping that team. Fascinating. <laughs> Too soon. Getting rid of the good <laughs> players is a strategy. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. No. All right. Um. All right, Chad and Austin, all seriousness, welcome. And uh, anybody who's listening to this, uh, happy holidays to you. We're running this on uh, on, a, on a holiday week, and so uh, you're taking the time to listen to this podcast. Uh, that is certainly something I appreciate and never will take for granted. Um, we'll try to do far more of a look ahead uh, on this podcast, Austin and Chad, than a, uh, than a look behind. But, you know, I, I, 
it's going to be a little bit dated for those who are listening, but let's just sort of get it out of the way first um, because I don't know, you know, who else I'm going to talk to it about uh, or who, who else I will talk uh, to about this um, topic. And that's just the Fox's World Cup um, coverage, the viewership. Uh, we, we now, you know, know what the final did. So we also have a sense of what the viewership is throughout the tournament. So, Austin, I'll start with you. I, just my sort of uh, top line uh, Cliff's Notes version is, if you are Fox, you have to be overjoyed. This was a viewership success. That's a different category and a different topic than, uh, you know, how they handled the issues of Qatar and stuff like that. But on mm-hmm. a pure, you know, interest, global soccer interest level, it's a big win for Fox. I can't see it as anything but a win for Fox, regardless of, you know, we're seeing the, you know, the number that includes some pre-match. Once we see that, you know, whistle to whistle number, it's going to be even bigger. And it's likely going to be, you know, the best final yet for a World Cup match. Is it going to be the best, you know, soccer game ever in the United States? No, I, that's going to easily still belong to the U.S.-Japan Women's World Cup final from 2015. I think, yeah, yep. that, that was just a monumental number. But yeah, it's a huge win. The tournament's going to be up significantly well over 25 percent from what they drew in russia four years ago it probably not as a tournament going to match what espn's networks drew in 2014 from brazil obviously a much better time zone but it i I think fox could not have set themselves up better as far as interest and experience with the world cup than they did this year all right, so Chad, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk more about the coverage with you since Austin's sort of our our viewership guy. And just so people know for the context of this, the most watched soccer match in the history of the United States television, as Austin said, remains uh the US win over Japan Women's World Cup. Twenty five point four million viewers on Fox add another one point two seven million viewers on Telemundo. So it's 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 going to be a long time still, and maybe this will happen in four years, for a Men's World Cup to top what is the most watched soccer match in the history of the United States, and that's that 2015 Women's World Cup final. In terms of the coverage, Chad, man, you know, I wrote 2,000 words on it. I, you know, you've written on it. Everybody's sort of written on it. I gave my piece on how I think they should absolutely revamp the studio coverage. At this point, I know I've said this on this podcast and elsewhere, and the, the late Grant Wall was certainly great enough to come on this podcast many, many times. And we talked about this, you know, Fox punted massively on the issues of Qatar. If you want to call them sports washing, I I don't think that's unfair at all. And so you got to weigh all this coverage together. Again, I think Fox got what it wanted in that people watched. uh, People came away with such an appreciation for the play on the field. Um, I think they can significantly improve their coverage and particularly when it comes to the studio. How'd you see it? Yeah, I mean, there's not exactly a ton of diversity there. The three U.S.-born, uh, you know, national team players, a couple of New England Revolution guys, and Dempsey and Lawless, even the yep. more niche. <laughs> and uh, I, it, I, it's probably not the most uh, appealing group overall. Um, Donovan's good. Dempsey doesn't have much to say. And then uh, we talked about this before. Lawless just has always come across as smug and, and still does. Um I'm not sure who they would put in there. Soccer people probably have a better idea than I would, but uh, it seems like uh, seems like you could get a little bit uh, somebody from another country, somebody with a little bit more background elsewhere that could that could contribute there. Um, I got a lot of blowback on 
John Strong and Stu Holden uh, as a broadcast team. I like them, but I'm kind of a soccer novice, so I don't know if um, you know if their approach uh, works better with people like me than it does people who are really dedicated to the sport. It's interesting, Austin, you say that because you know I wrote a piece for the Athletic, and um, the one thing about soccer fans, and I've always said this, they're, they're the toughest graders when it comes to viewers. Uh, college football fans to me are number two, but soccer fans are number one. If you mispronounce names, if you don't offer tactics, like they will crush you. And like you, I, I wrote that. Like I think John Strong and Stu Holden are fine. Like. Do I think John Strong is as good as Ian Dark or Derek Ray or John Champion? No, but I think because Fox has made it very clear to you that they want American as many American voices as possible. I think Strong and Stu Holden like can handle that number one spot. Like I think they are um, competent and and like beyond competent. Maybe competent is too sort of flat a word there. But I got the same thing in the comments section. A lot of it, really, yeah, a lot, yeah, and. Austin, you're welcome, Wayne, if you have any interest in this. But, like, the one thing that Chad uh, – Chad, the one thing that – the one thing that I take from that is that soccer fans are very, very discerning, and they have a very, very high level of expectation. And if you're going to grade strong and hold in, like, globally – then I can get some of the criticism. Mm-hmm. I just think – I'm just trying to – you know, you want to be at least sort of be fair here, and I think crushing Fox in a studio is fair. But you know, they are giving you to me like a, a competent number one team. It may not be the team that you want the most, but you know, they're you know, I find strong to be a good game caller, particularly in run of play. Stu Holden to me gives you tactics. He was absolutely prepared. I thought when it came to the to the to the team to the teams that are not the U.S., which is my biggest complaint about Fox's studio coverage, is that we don't get a Roberto Martinez in there, and we don't get um, uh, Steve McManaman or people from uh, you know who have expertise on the European teams or the South American teams, et cetera. So yeah, I, it's interesting, Chad, that both of us receive that. You know, we work for two very different publications. Yet, I, yeah, I wrote praise for Strong and Holden, and I got that too. Austin, is there anything you wanted to add here? I'm shocking. I'm shocked I don't get the same sort of response for the numbers as I do the, the commentary. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, in listening to Strong and Holden, and this comes from the perspective of, you know, not the most avid soccer fan. I'm, a, you know, I'll, I watch it. I enjoy it. I enjoyed them calling the games that I did watch. Um, yeah, but it's tough to compare them to, you know, the Andres Cantors of the world and people that really just bring this this vitality in this life and this enth- this overwhelming enthusiasm to the games that they call. and it, But it's just different, I think, from, like you said, a European or a South Amer- American perspective on those broadcasts as well. Um, the good thing is, if they want to add that sort of flair, Fox now has four years to develop that sort of talent, to hire that sort of talent. Well, the reality, here's the reality. And Chad, I think you agree with me. I, I, probably out of the three of us, I'm the most devout soccer fan you know i'm a big global soccer fan um i love the sport i've watched in a long time um i i have uh, a great uh disbadge of honor when i did the si soccer podcast and grant wall used to mock me for all my mangled <laughs> names of foreign players and he was absolutely correct i was terrible i mean there's no way to around it but you know i, I love i i my love of the sport at least made me give it a go um telemundo's coverage is incredible and 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 so much of it is because of the game broadcasters like the the 
the way soccer is broadcast, particularly in South America or mm-hmm. Latin America, it's just a different feel. You don't even have to know Spanish or Portuguese or whatever to sort of follow along. Mm-hmm. It's just very, very different. Uh, I think the way the Brits do it is very, very high end as well. But that's sort of, you know, I think everybody sort of knows that at this point. Um, so there are options for an American audience. It's just, I get it. Like, you know, if you're someone who just, you know, you want the game in your native tongue, you want to watch, um, you want to watch English speaking coverage. I will say this. And again, Fox did bring in Darkin, which I thought was a great move between them and ESPN. Uh, they brought Derek Ray in four years ago. So I think they've improved their, their game coverage. I mean, you know, we're not, um, as much as I admired them for really going off the beaten path, you know, this is not Gus Johnson <laughs> days anymore, right? You're not, you're not trying to just create a soccer broadcast. I mean, John Strong has called thousands and thousands of games. Um, the one thing, Chad, about the 2026 World Cup is that, and this was the whole premise of my piece that I wrote, Fox doesn't have to change a thing, and this will be the most successful soccer event ever in the history of the United States mm-hmm. and the most lucrative event ever for a network. Like Fox will be printing money for this. The viewership numbers will be off the chart. They don't have to change a single thing, and they will have an incredibly successful tournament. I just hope that they look at this at least a little critically and have a better, you know, have better staffing for 2026. But the reality is they don't have to change a thing. Because this 2026 is is guaranteed, guaranteed, right? To, yeah, to be to be an incredible tournament for for the sport for Fox. The, the windows are going to be perfect in terms of when they're going to air on. TV. They don't have you to sweat out. So, they don't have to sweat out the U.S. or Mexico qualifying. Like that's a exactly two There's biggest no, yeah, draws they, are automatically right. In. Perfect. I mean, they, Chad. The thing is, like, they have no incentive to change except internal incentive. Do you think they no. will change anything? I mean, I. Uh, something I would offer yeah. is yeah, go ahead. You know, something they do during that Turner offers during March Madness during the Final Four is yeah you like you get the main telecast but if you really want to watch that Homer telecast they offer that for the teams so yeah. while the game is on Big Fox if I want to watch a completely U.S. men's national team version on FS1 give me that with you know two or three guys that are just all in on the U.S. squad for their game, and I think you might get some reception for that sort of telecast. That's what yeah, we got from the, the studio show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, right. It's interesting. Uh, you know, I don't know if they want to cannibalize the audience, but I like the uh, I love the, uh, I love the potential option of choosing your own broadcasters um, You know, if you don't want to hear what the, the main broadcast is. I can tell you today, though, that you know, every U.S. game obviously will be called by Strong and Holden. Uh, the final and the semifinals will be called by Strong and Holden, and then they'll figure out um, they'll figure out what else what else to do. I, I if I had to guess, I haven't talked to David Neal, I haven't talked to any Fox top executives. I certainly have talked to a ton of people who are within the sort of soccer media community, including on broadcast. Um, the 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 best guess is that they will add to their coverage, including bringing in some more. Um, foreign voices but don't expect wholesale coverage in terms of like the major names that you've seen during this tournament that's that's the prediction on that 
Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right. Let's look. Speaking of predictions, I asked you guys just to sort of kick around in your own head what you thought would be the three biggest sports stories, sports media stories for 2023. Um, and I can I will start with you, Austin. You're welcome to crib from your uh, colleague, John, Ar- John O'Rand, who always puts out a very fun to read annual predictions column. But uh, but that's what I'm looking for now. That's the segment here. Three biggest sports stories you expect from 2023. Um, as it uh, stands with sports media. It makes you think he's not cribbing off me to write his own column. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you know what? Never as, I made a terrible journalism decision, I assumed. Bad move by me. You're right. You know, the sports media executive that has really, I think, grip, you know, stands out the most to me is Marie Donahue. Uh, obviously, it was, that was, it's it's tough given that there were it was just a double Olympic year. So thinking about Pete Pavacqua and Molly Solomon from NBC, this was tough, but... When I think of what Amazon has kind of done with Thursday Night Football and what they are now moving forward with in the sports TV landscape, it reminds me of, you know, Fox 1994 as that like kind of a seminal moment in in broadcasting and with the introduction of such a major player who's going to be at the table for a long time to come. And, you know, I know Jay Marine is kind of on top of that now, but Marie Donahue has kind of been in it for a longer haul. And, you know, what she has able been able to do you know, with the rights and being at the table and being in the conversation. And they may still end up with NFL Sunday ticket in 2023, which would be another big get for them. The production on Thursday Night Football has been nothing short of great. Um, I haven't, I mean, no one's really written about any significant latency issues all season, which is something everyone was worried about headed into the season. And I just think that everything she has done to set up Amazon at this point has been incredibly impressive. All right, so she's you. You feel that twenty twenty three will once again be the year. I think they're just you. getting started. Okay, you got you got two more. Or do you want me to go to Chad? I want to go to Chad. We'll do this like a, we'll do this like a fantasy <laughs> back and forth. Yeah, yeah. The other podcasts clearly have a better uh, PTI format than I do. Okay, Chad, go ahead. Well, initially, you I think your text said sports story of the year. So that's oh, obviously it's going to be a Celtics <laughs> winning the NBA title. I think that's probably okay. I can see that keeping, like keeping that. it regional, but. Uh, I don't know. A couple of things. I mean, the, the TNT uh, contract isn't up till 24, 25, but that, there's already so much buzz around where the NBA is going to end up. And you know those guys all got lucrative extensions, but uh, it's going to be really interesting to see where the NBA is in a couple of years. And that that's already on viewers' minds. I, I get asked about that sometimes. Uh, Sunday ticket also, uh, probably the, the 1A there, just uh, 
uh, seeing how that materializes next year. But uh, just feels like more and more stuff's going to end up on stream, uh, streaming, and we're going to end up with more and more questions from older demographics about why the hell they can't find the game anymore. So um, I think we're headed uh, we're headed to some pretty interesting moves here in the next couple of years. Okay, so the NBA, look for the NBA. Again, Chad mm-hmm. is correct, uh, 2024 is when that deal is up. They, they, I think both networks, uh, both current rights holders do have um, uh, clauses in the contract in terms of there's like, a, like an exclusive window that they can negotiate with the NBA. I, I don't know those exact windows, but, but they will clearly have options to, um, you know, to try to convince the NBA if they indeed want that product to sort of stick with them and not to put their pa- quote-unquote package um, up for market. All right, uh, Austin, you got another one? I mean, I definitely fold, and my first answer, I definitely fold in media person and media st- and, you know, biggest stories of the year. But, you know, yep. Sunday ticket would have been one, the one I was going to talk about. And obviously that goes hand in hand with what Amazon is doing. I'm also watching on the college side, two two rights deals in particular, Pac-12, whether there's the first Power 5 to go exclusively yep. to a streaming platform. Uh, do, does, you know, does the conference pull the trigger on that? Do they decide that there's more, you know, to take the money from a streaming platform or, or do, I, I think they need to stay on linear TV in some capacity. I'd love to see them remain on, you know, ESPN. Um, but it, I, I want to see if they take the money. And the second is with the expanded college football playoff. I want to yeah, see who yeah. grabs those quarterfinal games. Is it a Fox? Is it a streaming yeah. platform? And how much money are those actually worth? I mean, they're not, I mean, I don't know what the, we don't know what the viewership is yet for those sorts of games. Is it a wild card NFL wild card? Is it way less than that? Um, or is it just what an Ohio state Michigan game would have drawn? So I'm curious to see what those numbers draw and who gets those package and who gets that pack, who gets, you know, if it's multiple packages and we won't see the numbers next year, but um, I want to see who, who goes for those rights. Yeah. That's Chad. Before I get to you, that, that was one of mine, Austin. So I'll just sort of follow up on you. Uh, with that, and I think a lot of people will be right, and obviously about um, what's going to happen with the expanded CFP rights. Uh, like a lot of the sort of predictions and sentiment out there, I also get the sense, and obviously I've talked to a couple people as well. I get the sense that the CFP is going to want to um, not make that an exclusive to ESPN only. <laughs> so I think the, I think the. Um, I think the logical sort of prediction would be that ESPN and Fox share those rights. Now, you know, again, I haven't done enough reporting to know like how much an Amazon could be in there, or sort of like an Apple or some streaming player. But I, I think that sort of, if you think about it, also makes logical sense um, in that it it would it broadens the audience of those um, of of that package, and you know, Fox I think has a vested interest mm-hmm. right in the Big Ten. And I think if you're Fox, you would love to get, you know, one of those games, those early round games on campus if it involves, uh, it probably won't involve Michigan and Ohio State, let's say. But, you know, let's say the Penn State or whatever, you know, whoever maybe the third team or something like that from the the Big Ten is. Or maybe, you know, it's, you know, all right, take that back. Maybe it is like a, you know, Ohio State versus TCU in the opening round of the Well, that could be, that'd be a huge number because that's Ohio State. I'm talking about what happens when you get Washington State. (laughs) <laughs> in a quarterfinal like that's not that's not a big number 
Well, we'll see though. But but it is that you know this is where the real interesting question is: if you put the if you put the banner of playoff on it, does that not turbocharge the viewers? I don't. I don't but, know. Yeah, you don't think? I don't, think, I don't, so. I don't okay. think it's going to. Like I, I'm with you. Normal Saturday, that's not getting a big number. But what if I told you? Well, you know, this game means that you get to the final four of the college football playoff. No, the winner would be if somebody whoever gets the quarterfinal. In this year, Alabama sneaks into that quarterfinal game. Then you you end up with a huge number. That yes. then you're a winner. Yeah, we all you know. I think especially you, Austin, um, Alabama, Ohio State, yeah. Michigan. There is just those are the separators when it comes to college football. There are some other teams that obviously pop up, Notre Dame, and you know if like you know Georgia's having a good year, mm-hmm. they can pop the ratings too. But there's really the big three. And you have the possibility part, of yeah. if you know if the SEC puts four teams in, which is going to happen in this expanded playoff uh, a number of times, yeah, you could get a matchup of two SEC teams, and yeah, that's another thing that could deliver numbers. Yeah, that's that's going to be a game ESPN wants. Chad, did you want to uh, uh, throw in another uh, biggest sports media story you expect from 2023, or do you want me to go? Yes, I do. Uh, angry, uh, frustrated Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady in the Fox booth. I'm, I'm <laughs> really curious if that happens next year. Uh yeah, they're still in first place, but it's been a miserable season, miserable off the field for him as well. And he's got that $375 million waiting for him uh, whenever he decides to go to the booth. Uh, I really liked Burkhart and Greg Olson together. And uh, it's a Super Bowl year for Fox, so their profile is going to only grow as we get into the playoffs. And I don't think Brady's going to be that good at it, at least initially. Uh, he's never been particularly candid, even in his podcast with Jim Gray uh, and Larry Fitzgerald. So uh, I suspect he is in the booth next year, but I don't think it would be an upgrade for Fox. I think they're finding out they have a pretty good number one team right now. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how that shakes out. Yeah, you know, um, the thing with Brady is I you, – you probably know this, Chad – like. I, am I correct? That he, is he a free, is he a free agent at the end of this year? I'm not sure. You know that yeah, I, I don't. Because my, my 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 guess was going to be yeah. I mean, it's been a miserable year for him, and I get the notion that like uh, yeah, he is. You know, you might, okay, he could go so, to the Niners so, or something. Well, that's what I was saying. Is like I wonder if then he goes. It just strikes. Let's say the Bucks make the playoffs. Okay, I think they're going out in the first game that they play if they even make the playoffs. You you uh, you live you know you've covered the Patriots and you've lived in that part of the world for a long time. It, it, would Tom, could Tom Brady be satisfied with his last NFL game being a first round playoff loss after what has been a miserable year? Yeah, that's how his Patriots career ended three years ago. Yeah, <laughs> so, true. I don't know, but it doesn't feel like he's going out on top at this point. Uh, you know, he's forty five years old. Um, you know, maybe he could hook up with the Niners or some team with a ready-made defense and uh, yeah, all the pieces. Yeah, that Francisco situation would be great for him. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's wanted to go there for years. They chose Garoppolo over him uh, a couple of years ago, but um, maybe that's how it ends for him, but it's hard to figure right now with his somewhat of a decline and uh, his age that it's going to end well. Uh, he's not going to walk off with a Super Bowl win for uh, in, unless uh, he ends up in that absolutely ideal situation and, and everything, but he stays healthy. But uh, I don't know. I, it's hard to get a read on whether he's thinking about hanging him up after this year or not. Yeah. I mean, obviously a big story to watch. And if he does retire, obviously I, I Man, that's a tough call that you got to make to Greg Olson, but I think that call is coming. Do you guys, Chad? Do you think there's any chance 
Fox would make it a three person booth for the first year? Yeah, sure. I mean, if, uh, you know, if they want to kind of work Brady into it and, you know, you know, let him get his, uh, get a feel for it because it's pretty rare when someone comes in and is good at that job right away. You know, Romo being the, the huge success that he was right out of the gate, but, uh, uh, doesn't always happen that way. And, you know, we saw how it went with Drew Brees with NBC where he wasn't good in the booth or on in the studio. Uh, so, you know, Brady will work at it. He'll probably be more candid than he's been as a player, but, uh, everything. So much of him at this point is about brand and about image. And uh, I don't think you can go being overly critical of, of people in the booth, uh, yeah, people on the playing field when you're in your first year in the booth. It does just doesn't seem like something that he's going to be really good at right away. So it'd probably be wise for them to do that. Yeah, I, I think it'd be smart. I think it would help Brady, but whether they do that um, or not, you know, you can, I guess if you're Brad Zager and company of Fox, you can make the argument, well, you know, we can strengthen our number two booth, right, by putting Greg Olson there. And so, you know, we got a good enough number one play-by-play person in Kevin Burkhardt who helped Shepard Brady in. Also, you know, I'm sure Brady's a very competitive guy. I don't, you know, maybe he doesn't want to share the booth with Olsen. I think the smarter move would be to share it. Have you ever and, talked and, to Olsen about it? Uh, no, I think I feel I haven't like done anything uh, with him. he was just a – yeah, he was a guest on Jimmy Trainer's podcast. I haven't listened to that one. Um and I wonder if Trent asked him about. I'm sure they joked about Brady coming yeah. in, but I don't know if they. I don't know if he's ever been asked about a three person booth. You know, if you're Greg Olson, you've handled this perfectly. Yeah. You've had an excellent year. You're going to do this sort of Damocles hanging all, over him, like it's. <laughs> yeah, and you, what you do is you, but you mock that. You know what I mean? You're self deprecating about that. That's how to mm-hmm. handle it. Don't you know? Never don't put out into the public that oh man, I've had a great year and now this guy's coming in. You know, you let you laugh and you say you know oh man, you know I'm just. Uh, you know, I'm um, um, Timothy Dalton, you know, bef- before Daniel Craig's coming in or whatever. So I think Olsen's handled Just skipping well. I'll give Pierce you Brosnan just, like that. Just <laughs> skipping over him. I know. I know. Actually, I was, try- I was really trying to think of George Lazenby. I just didn't know how many people in the audience would know. Um, all right. A couple more that I think start in terms of sports stories to expect from 2023. Um, I, you know, we talked in this podcast for so long about live golf and then it went away, but obviously one to watch is do they finally get their U S broadcast mm. deal? I think they will. Um, I can't see them not even, even, uh, Augusta just, uh, recently released that, uh, those players can play in the masters. So it's going to happen. You're already, you've already seen as we've gotten to the end of the year, less criticism of live. So I, I don't, again, it's not going to be any of the networks that have PGA, uh, connections, but I, I think they will land a, uh, a deal one to watch again, Jimmy Pitaro. And if Bob Iger's uh, sort of uh, second reign at Disney is short, I think he's a serious candidate for that job. It's just my my prediction and no reporting there, just a bit of a guesswork on my part. He's, uh, you know, Iger's one of his mentors. Pitaro, I think, is really well liked at Disney. So something to watch. Do you there. think they'll make it's an really obvious great... successor cl- clear? Yeah. No. no. We won't know until it happens. No, no and. and yeah, and you know what? If Bob Iger's enjoying it, he's not going to – you know, those guys, they don't ever want to retire, as we saw with Iger. They never want to leave. So um, if things are going better for Disney, you know, who knows how long that guy will yeah. be there. Um, watch for some great documentaries yeah. coming up. I think 2023 will be the year of great sports documentaries. we got a couple coming, including one very, very promising one from uh, – uh, the words and pictures group on uh, on international soccer and trying to have breakaway mm-hmm. leagues. Um, 
that breakaway super league. So that's interesting. And then lastly, this is a um, not a positive one. I, I think ad dollars continue to uh, fall off in the in the media space, and I think we will see layoffs um, in sports media. Um, unfortunately, I mean that's seemingly a drumbeat of the entire industry forever. I hope I'm wrong on that um, on that count, but uh, my sense is that'll um, that'll happen in 2023, and then hopefully 2024. Mm -hmm. Is much better. I want to. Say, uh, I do want to. Right. Uh, I, I want to play off ahead. something that yeah, you ahead. know, Mister Iran didn't bring up in his newsletter last night. Is I want to see what the audience is that ABC gets for the first Brittany Griner game back. Oh, that's a great yeah, one. That's a, um, it's a great. That's a great one. By the way, Austin, don't say last night because people are going to listen to this in like six days. Mm. Um, the uh, that's a great one. I love that. What do you think, Austin? You're our, you're our viewers. I think it'll set a WNBA record. This a regular season game show with Brittany Griner's return <laughs> will probably top anything they get for uh, the WNBA finals. Interesting. Um, you know, if you're if you're the WNBA slash ESPN, um, you got to put that on right. ABC. It's got to right? be you an ABC. Put that on network. It's not airing on Fox, yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> wow. All right. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's, um, let's, that's it's a hard segue to have here, Jeff. <laughs> let's move to, uh, let's move to uh, the 2023 sports media talents to watch or some sports media talents to watch. Austin, did you get that text from me? Were you able to... Yeah. You got any suggestions? I mean, we kind of talked about it a little bit already with Brady. Is he going to be in the booth? I I think he's going to come back and play. And, you know, we talk, We kind of talked about this, Richard, when he first signed the deal and we did our emergency pod, What what's going on with Brady. And I, <laughs> I just see this not getting to the end of the deal. I, I agree with you that he's, you know, it, I don't see him as a natural fit in the booth. I just don't. I see him kind of wanting to do his his own thing, you know, like Peyton Manning has almost done to control the directive on the create the direction of the creative, and I don't see him as a as a booth talent, at least a long term one. What about you, uh, Chad? Was Brady good on the Manning cast? I don't I don't remember anything about it. Yeah. I, I think he has a good rapport was, yeah, with those I guys. He, yeah, yeah. I thought he was. Yeah, he was a little. He was a little. Um, you know, in the he, yeah, he was a little more like off the cuff and less. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to say this because it sort of comes off like pejorative, but less packaged. Yeah, you know what I mean. A little more, just sort of like free form. I think he needs that sort of sort form of though to be successful. I'm not sure a traditional yeah. booth really leans into what he would be good at. Someone has to bring it out of him, like yeah. pay, even Peyton and Eli, particularly. You know, Eli has kind of got that younger brother ball buster thing going on that's working for him on there. Gronk. Um, I mean, whatever Gronk's up maybe. to. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I don't know how you would do it, but uh, yep. he seems to he seems to bring out the best of the best in Brady. What about all right, so Chad, you got any uh, sports media talents to watch for 2020? Uh let's see. Well, turn we're talking about football in terms of people I've really liked as an analyst this year that have 
grown on me. I, I think Richard Sherman's been really good on Amazon and is getting better. And, uh, you know, they have some weaknesses in that, in that program. Uh, I think if they scaled it down by one person and gave uh, Sherman and, and uh, uh, Andrew Whitworth a little bit more room, Fitzpatrick a little bit more room, uh, and you can do your deducing from there, uh, that uh, all of those guys would shine a little bit. But Sherman's not scared to say what he thinks. You know, he wasn't as a player. He's not as a broadcaster. I think he reined himself in a little bit early. He was kind of getting a feel for it. But uh, he's somebody who makes an impact to me. And another one I'd say, um, probably a little bit smaller scale right now, but uh, Noah Eagle, who's getting some opportunities to call yeah, NFL yeah. games, uh, really good. And I know there's a lot of interest in him as a basketball broadcaster as well. He does Clippers games, but he's going to end up with a much higher profile role there, I think, eventually and uh, chip off the old block, which is a, uh, a big compliment. Do you guys want to see more or less of Pat McAfee? Well, I just named him my... Uh... 2022 sports. I had a great year, but do you want to see more or less of them? I want to see the same. I mean, you know, a lot of my, the, 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 what I really like about McAfee is that he crafted his own Mm -hmm. path in broadcasting from someone who is not a famous player. He's a punter. And I think that like, I think that's really, or that has been really interesting in that he recognized that, he had a skill set or a potential skill set when he was playing with the Colts. He did a lot of local stuff there and local mm-hmm. radio. He then, if you remembered, retired early. Uh, I think he was 29, right? He wasn't. Didn't was he go to Barstool? Guy. Yeah. And he did. He went to Barstool. He then left Barstool and has since created, you know, his own, like, uh, you know, sort of media template for anybody who's a former athlete who wants to have multiple jobs, you know, college game day mm-hmm. now, right? Incredible success with the WWE. I know. I don't think you two watch a lot of wrestling, but I can tell you, is massive, massively successful there. And that, and his YouTube show is no. massive. He's got a mega audience there. A gigantic sponsor, right? Who paid him, you know, whatever, thirty million. The thing with, and I think Pat's a very genuine guy. Like, I, I, again, my piece. I didn't talk to Pat for the piece. Pat McAfee for the piece. I talked to people who mm-hmm. worked with him. And when when twelve people all say the same thing. You know what I mean? It's you get the sense like this is not bullshit. Same off camera. Um, n- yeah. Yeah. Now, I know where you're coming from, Austin. Like it's a lot. He's always <laughs> I'm not on. negative on him. I I really. Like well, I'm just gonna say no, no. But I'm. He's but ubiquitous. I'm just saying, like, in terms so he's, of, like, he's, for he's him, getting, he's getting yeah, over, a little overexposed. I think. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say with that for the audience, he's on every day on his show, right? And he's a big personality to start with. Um. And so you're getting like McAfee on level 10 on that show. So I get where you're coming from. If you then see him on game day and if you then see him on WWE and if you then Mm -hmm. see him on the college bowl games, that's, you know, that's a little bit, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're Pat McAfee, that's what you have to navigate. But I can, at least from my perspective and from having talked to him and talking to people around him, I think he just has approached this, like I'm getting these opportunities that I mm-hmm. really want to do, and I don't want to turn him down. I don't no. want to turn down. A Nobody can question the guy's busting his ass and his. Yeah. Yeah. But you're so player. you're right. Yeah. Like there, there is absolutely a, you know, the, <laughs> the sports public can 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 get sick of people, even good mm-hmm. people, quick, and that's one that he's going to have to navigate. I think kind of happened with Romo. He's on every yeah. he's on every day, 
And that's the thing. It happened. You did right. Romo was praised for four years, and then all of a sudden, you started to see some uh, some pushback. So again, um, I, I think there probably will be. I think I don't. I think McAfee probably knows it too. I, you know, I think there's going to be some pushback uh, from some people or people who say he's overexposed. To me, what you should do, and all of these things, is you just do what you do, and surround yourself with the people you like working with, and realize that there's always going to be people who ultimately will not like what you're doing. You know, Barkley has said this. He He's the best template for this. Barkley's got a lot of haters out there, right? But he doesn't care. He just sort of goes about and does what he likes and works on inside the NBA. Um, so, yeah, it'll well, be When it I see Barkley doing see what, NCAA tournament but, stuff, I'm like, that's a, that's a bridge too far for me. I don't need him on there. See, there you go. Right. That's you as a viewer who sort of you made your line. Um, yeah, I don't think McAfee will be my 2023 sports person of the year because I think the some of the freshness will be gone. But I thought he added a yeah, phenomenal year um, just in terms of a singular individual who was able to monetize um, all that. So some of my 2023ers uh, that were not mentioned here, um, I think Malika Andrews continues mm-hmm. to sort of uh, soar at ESPN, continues to get big assignments. Uh, and you'll watch her career go. Same thing with uh, Chinea Gumake. Uh, you mentioned the Griner thing. Um, uh, you know, I think her basketball takes on both the NBA and the WNBA um, will continue to be really, really interesting. She's also a player, which makes her very interesting at ESPN, just having an active athlete there. Um, I pay attention to what Leah Hextall mm-hmm. does for the NHL as she gets more broadcasting game assignments should continue to get better. But the 2023 one, I sort of go a little off the beaten path and I'll go Chad, I'd love your sort of perspective on this after I say it with everything that's going on with Twitter. Right. And again, I don't expect Twitter to fold, but I do think, you know, as we head to 2023, who the hell knows, you know, on a day to day basis, what's going to happen given it seems like the rules of Twitter seemingly are being changed by Elon Musk on a daily basis. If, if anything happens where that service really hemorrhages, um, people right like like a significant shift in the millions people leave twitter and go to wherever they go to mastodon or post news how does that impact the people like wojanowski Schefter, shams all these people who have made their john Heyman, they've made their bones on owning the twitter space right for breaking news how would that impact them if that service uh, it's not going to fold, but you know what I'm saying? becomes less important to the sports media eco- ecosystem. I, that's the first thing I thought of when you started seeing, from the sports perspective, when you started seeing, uh, you know, the, the Musk effect and uh, people saying, see you later, I'm going to Post or Mastodon or, or wherever, just off social media altogether. Uh, I wondered how it was going to affect those insiders and wrote about it a little bit back and a couple weeks back and They've just got to be super nervous. I I mean, so much of their salary, their success, their identity uh, profile is tied to them breaking news on Twitter specifically, Uh, not any other social media outlet, not Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. It's Twitter. And you see it, uh, those multi-million follower accounts. And I, I don't believe there's any possible way for them to replicate that anywhere else if Twitter falls apart. And uh, what what's the outcome? That they start actually breaking the news first on the websites that they write for or on TV? Because um, 
it feels like uh, I, I don't think it gets to the point where the Twitter audience is, is dissolved like that. But if I were somebody whose uh, success level and salary were so tied into the, the reach I have on Twitter, I would be nervous. Well, now, so here's the question, Austin, I'll give to you. And I obviously, I think they have already done this because if you look at, let's just, I'll take Instagram, for instance, right? Um, Woj has 2.2 million followers on Instagram, and it looks like they're essentially just um, like breaking news bulletins of, you know, what he has reported. Um, and Shams has close to a half million. So it's it's whether they're doing it or they have like sort of social media help doing it. You know, they do have presences on um, on other platforms. I wonder if if you are at that level of insider, if you really start to maybe, I don't know, make sure that you're filling the content beast on some of those other providers just in case Twitter goes oh, really absolutely. south. Absolutely. Uh, that would just make total sense to have some sort of backup plan, right? But, I mean, as far as a delivery mechanism for your breaking news, it's... Like it would really, I think it would hurt a lot of people. I I think it really would. I think people are, you know, keeping sports center on in the background, maybe as often as they used to, uh, you keep Twitter up for that. You keep Twitter up. Like it's the old ticker tape stock, uh, you know, stock ticker. Um, I think, yeah, I think it would have a significant impact on how we do our business. Just like it had a significant impact when it started really, you know, developing uh, 10 years ago. The thing, the thing, Chad, to me that where, and again, and you know, not, the three of us, I think, are realists and not alarmists. Like, I don't think the three of us think like Twitter is going to fold in the next like three months. Again, the infrastructure is just such where it's like seemingly impossible. Do I believe though that they could be hemorrhaging people in the next year and a half? Absolutely. I, mm-hmm. I don't think that's a question about that. And I'm still going to go with my prediction. I think I made this. Uh, on this podcast that in 2024, Elon Musk will not be the owner of Twitter. That's just my only prediction on all of this. But the one thing where it really would be awful for sports Twitter is that Twitter gave so many people who never would have the forum to get their work seen or to get their voices um, heard. Like it gave them a forum, young writers, writers of color, a lot of women uh, writers or broadcasters. That's what would suck about um that that service being blown up it doesn't hurt at the end of the day Woj is still rich right Shams is still rich the three of us will still be fine we all work at legacy places like it's not you know at the end of the day maybe our um you know our our readership is dropped or and certainly our egos are not as as sated but it really doesn't affect the three of us who are talking right now but Chad I do think that would be the biggest uh or one of the biggest sort of things when it comes to sports Twitter specifically is that like sports Twitter has given a lot of people who normally traditionally didn't get heard. Like it gave them voice. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, sports Twitter is really fun too. Uh, I, I think you can, even with what's going on now, you can kind of shape Twitter to what you want it to be. Yeah. The world cup was, was fun, right? It was like, yeah. nice to get it away from the politics. It was a communal community thing. It was a communal experience. Like totally world cup was great on Twitter. Just block the hell, block yeah, the hell ahead, out of people you don't want to hear from or mute them and, you know, one strike and they're out or whatever. Um, and I, I found that you can really shape it to being a good experience, even with all the trash that's on there right now. Uh, but, you you know, 
the, what you were talking about, Richard, uh, locally here for us, this uh, thing people call weird Celtics Twitter, which is just all these um, odd accounts. You know, uh, Rob Williams get his nickname Time Lord from weird Celtics Twitter. Twitter. Um, it's uh, it's a really enjoyable experience, and it's given a ton of opportunity to people who don't work in print media or don't work for a legacy website uh, of a newspaper or anything like that. Uh, you know, I, I kind of watch how my daughter's uh, freshman in college follows basketball and it's through uh, social Twitter accounts that this one guy, Dan Greenberg for uh, writes for Barstool, but he's just specific to the Celtics. Who, it's fantastic. And he, you know, he's never covered the team in person or anything like that. So uh, there's a million different ways on Twitter to connect with people who are interested in a particular team and or a particular sport. And I fear that that will go away if, uh, you know, Twitter ends up being a skeleton of what it is now. Yeah, that's, um, again, like information will always exist. Like, don't worry about that. And there, you know, if people will go, people will be part of some kind of social media apparatus. Again, social media is certainly not going to disappear, but it would be, I think, impossible, at least in our lifetimes, to duplicate what sports Twitter is. I just, I think too many organizations, too many, uh, both mainstream, um, uh, non-mainstream, you know, athletes, fans, they've all sort of uh, entered under this, you know, big tent. And I don't think any of these new places can duplicate that. I mean, it took Twitter 13 years or 14 years to to get to that. So again, it's just something to sort of keep your eye on. All right, here's the last one, and then I want to get you guys out of here. I'll start with you, Austin. What do you expect from sports gambling in 2023? That's a very you know, open-ended I question. I expect it to become more normalized. Um, I don't you know, I think the things that we see like BetCast, you know, the simulcasts that might go on ESPN too, those are nice. But what the NFL did quietly at the beginning of this month, having the game embedded into the Caesars Sportsbook app, kind of as a test, they did it very quietly. Then afterwards, you know, that's when everybody kind of found out. That's what I'm looking for, that one screen experience. You know, can that happen on a larger scale? Will we see more partners start to do that? Will other properties experiment with it? Because, you know, being able to watch the game in your Caesar Sportsbook app and place that bet immediately, I mean, that's the holy grail for a lot of these betting companies. And it would really, or it could, or it should, increase the avidity amongst fans for a particular property. So that's what I'm watching to see if there's more experimentation there. You kind of following how it affects sports radio. Uh, we have, uh, I live in Maine, um, even though I work in Boston, and uh, we have two, two sports stations up here one local, and then one that on Sunday afternoon, if you want a Patriots preview or some sort of look at the NFL games for one o'clock, it's all gambling, entirely gambling, gambling all afternoon. And uh, to me, and I'm not a gambler, but that gets old really fast. I don't care about hearing about other people's bets. Uh, they're not going to tell you what they lost or what their miserable days. So I, I just don't, and you, you just don't know the, uh, the, the depth of their knowledge. These people that are telling you to do this or that on the radio. Um, I think we're going to start seeing some uh, more prominent local uh, sports radio stations in bigger markets uh, really lean heavily toward gambling. Uh, to the point where maybe it's the brunt of their programming. So um, I find it pretty close to unlistenable. 
Uh, I've gotten some backlash for, for writing that before from the guys who do it locally here. But uh, to me, the gambling talk is uh, so much less interesting than actually talking about what's happening on the fields. I can tell you the one thing that's similar. Um, and again, I'm in another country right now in another city. And so much of Toronto sports radio and Canada sports radio has been inundated with gambling. Uh, both of the big um, sports networks here, TSN and Sportsnet, gambling segments all over the place. I mean, the reality, I think, for a lot of businesses, though, Chad, is that this like yep. this is their only way to survive. Absolutely. Right? Is like This is like where the money's coming in. But, but I agree with you. And by the way, I'm probably – like I'm interested in – gambling like i think i i find like spreads interesting and like, you and all your hockey bets so i'm prob well i'm just saying yeah right i'm probably like a little more patient with this than you would be but yeah, it is it. overwhelming like i get it if if you if you have no interest in it it's it's impossible to watch and i think if you even have a little bit of interest in it it's it's hard to watch and listen to and then my guess is that if you're a hardcore diehard gambler it like has to infuriate you that you just have a lot of people who don't have your skill set who are just coming on and doing these segments, right? Because there's money to be it's had. Like Haralabob or Pokemon. somebody? <laughs> Haralabob uh, Vulgaris uh, that uh, Simmons has had on forever. Well, yeah, that's a guy who, yeah, like he knows what he's talking about, right? That's a professional. Yeah, gambler, I mean, he's, I you know, he probably benefits from the, the idiots that, uh, yeah. Uh, from the from the from the uh, yeah, yes. from the marks. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Chad Finn, Austin Carp, thank you so much for joining me this year. If you guys are still interested, um, I will have you back on next year and we'll continue to do this. I will offer you, you know, as always, the same um <laughs> fee that I've been providing for you throughout these years. Um, which is just my eternal gratitude and uh, promotion. Check out Chad Finn's work at the Boston Globe. Check out all of Austin Carp's uh, work at Sports Business Journal. Follow them both on the service we just talked about, Twitter. And in Austin Carp's case, seriously, there's a lot of people who do viewership, um, you know, including me and Chad. But like I've said this a million times, like people like Austin, like marinating this stuff like on a daily basis. People like Anthony Krupe, like marinate on the stuff on a daily basis. Those are the people like, uh, you know, when you want to really learn about the stuff to follow and then follow the people who work the networks like Mike Mulville and Flora Kelly, but understand like, you know, they work for their networks. there's a small and, community and of a, us really. That's doing a fact. Hard. Yeah. And Robert Seidman at sports TV ratings. Don't want to forget uh, him, even though this is like his fourth favorite. <laughs> sports media podcast. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, those honestly, the, like the, it's uh, yeah, and and John Lewis, I should definitely, mention, of course, definitely. Sports Media Watch, like the Godfather of this, the, the dean of this stuff. But um, but yeah, I mean, there's a group of people who really like are into it every day, and those are the people you should follow and trust when it comes to okay, what's this viewership number mean, and why should you care about viewership? Well, you should care because it's like a real marker of like what the popularity is of the sport that you are watching and the broadcast that you're watching, and this is what the whole business is based on. The you know basically the selling of of advertising. Yeah. I was really interested in it too. All right, Austin. People are always really interested in it, even if, even if they don't. They are, yeah. You know, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of good mocking, and Brian Curtis, who's very very gifted and funny, has like a, the running joke about you know the viewership of this Cowboys Eagles game will not impact <laughs> your life. Like that's funny, but but um but the reality is like more people are interested in it because I think I think if you're watching a game at home, like you. 
you want to feel like you want to get a sense of like how communal was this experience like how, how communal was this experience and like how many people were watching yep. this along with me and, and like this sports viewership like gives you that like it gives you a sense of uh, oh man like there were you know 16 million other people watching the right uh, people are really final, curious uh, about you that know, as I was it. yeah keeping Austin it's keeping Austin employed and, and, and I, l- I love a roof over my head right <laughs> you do exactly all right, Austin and Chad, thank you. Have a great uh, have a great holidays with your families, and uh, we'll see you in 2023. All right, back in the studio. My thanks to Chad and Austin for another great conversation. Uh, no need to go down the uh, archives list today. Um, I just want to give a, a sincere appreciation to everybody who has listened to this podcast in 2022. We had uh, great numbers again. Uh, I do not take that for granted. I've been doing it for a while now, but... Uh, here independently as well as at Sports Illustrated. It's a lot of fun. I've had great producers over the years like Patrick Antonetti and Lou Pellegrino. Um, and uh, Cadence 13 has been incredibly supportive of this podcast, and I appreciate uh, John McDermott and Sean Cherry and Chris Corcoran and, uh, and everybody at Cadence 13 who's helped with us. Mostly thanks to you for listening i realize this is a uh, niche subject and uh, your time is very valuable there's a lot of great podcasts out there so for those of you who have uh, stuck with this podcast for a long time i uh, i greatly appreciate it want to wish you all a great happy holiday season and uh and let's have a great 2023 thanks for listening to the sports media podcast I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.